Ladies and gentlemen, welcome on back to Mind Your Popcorn. I am Ricky Uniac. And I am Chuck Clark. Chuck, what's going on these days, bud? Uh, not too much. Chilling, getting ready for New Year's Eve. Got some plans cooking up. Um, watching sports. It's been an interesting, and it, it's it's always interesting. We've only, we've only it's been what four days since we last talked, and already things yeah. are just <laughs> churning and burning. Yeah. So if you've watched, well, if you listened to our last episode, we had some fun, kind of uh, shooting the shit on some NBA talk there at the end. Um, now, Chuck, you're a Pacers fan, correct? Correct. Not a whole lot going on in the Pacers world these days. I mean, other than COVID, who you guys are going to. Well, are you guys getting hit with COVID right now? Um, Brogdon, Duarte and Lamb are all on the COVID list right now. So. Yeah, Miles Turner showed up in a Darth Vader costume to play the Hornets and we proceeded to lose by like 16. So <laughs> wait, he showed up in a Darth Vader costume. On a non-Halloween game. Yep. What? Yeah, it was. It was a. It was a. It was a. It was a whole thing. It was. It was a mood. And then, like I said, we then lost to the Hornets, and the final score. Let me just double check because I said we lost by six. I know they scored one six. It was one sixteen one oh eight. We lost by eight. Mm. But um, yeah, he showed up in a Darth Vader costume to put up fourteen and five with one assist. You know, you never want to show up in a Darth Vader costume and then lose the game that you showed up to in a Darth Vader costume. It's just, that's not a good look. And he, this was Brogdon? Turner. Miles Turner. Oh, Miles Turner. Ooh. Okay, wait. Things are starting to make a little bit more sense over here in in, in, in my head. That's not a big Brogdon move, you know? I was going to say, I was kind of stunned by that. No. I mean, listen, Lavert and Sabonis did their job. Lavert had 27, 7, and 6. Mm. Well, I would say 27, six and seven. He's a guard. You expect that second number to be the assist number generally, yeah. but that's a, that's a number. Sabonis had 15, 18 rebounds and seven assists. Like that's a great night for some, you know what I mean? It's weird because you guys have a coach that I respect the hell out of who I think very highly of as a coach and Rick Carlisle. And you guys have talent, you know, you're not the Pistons. No. You have we're not the kings, <laughs> right? You have bona fide NBA talent at like every position. It's just what's what's going on? Like in your mind, what's not working? Is it Carlisle? No, I think it's Miles Turner. I mean, he's been yeah. like he's been chirping about how he's supposed to be defensive player of the year every year. I just don't know. I feel like there's something going on in that locker room. Um, I just hope it doesn't help hurt Duarte because Duarte's been balling. Yeah, Love Duarte's Duarte. good. You guys got a gem in Duarte. Was he six overall? He no, he was like late lottery. Like we were eleventh or oh, something. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, we were close. Remember, we were in the play-in game last year. Oh yeah. Do you guys still have Aladipo? No, he's on Miami. We traded Miami. him like. We did the three-team trade with him to Miami, like, right after the bubble, I think. He hasn't played much with Miami. He's been injured, hasn't he? He's been injured a lot since we traded yeah. him. That's tough. He he was part of the James Harden trade, I believe. 
Yeah. Okay. Things are starting to make a little bit more sense because there was a lot of talk that that you guys, you guys got Levert in that trade. That's what happened. We got Levert. We sent Aladipo to Houston. Harden went to Brooklyn, and then in the off season he signed with Miami. It that that trade sparked one of the most incredible stories I've ever heard of with Levert, where because he got traded, he had to undergo the physical where they found the mass. Yes. That's absolutely – that's bonkers, dude. That's insane. That's, and then yeah. and thankfully, you know, he's okay now. But, like, oh, my goodness. Could you imagine if he wasn't traded? Like, uh, like when would they have caught that? Yeah, who knows. But, yeah, we took Duarte 13th overall. Okay, so he was late lottery. Yeah, he's a gem, dude. I, I That, that like, rounds 10 – or uh, picks 10 to 20 are – I – there's – it's not like the NFL, you know, where like, right. you know, you can still get like you still feel pretty good about your first round pick no matter where you're picking. NBA is the draft is always so top heavy and it's it's so rare to get somebody who is this good this early. And you guys seem to have got that in Duarte. So that's exciting. Um, Did you see what happened to my um my my brother who shares the same name as me on the Cavs? My, my I- boy Rubio. I did. It's dude, just un- unfortunate that this keeps happening. Like Rubio is always like almost <laughs> he always does this. He's yeah. there on a good team, plays well, gets injured. And then like it's like, well, we got to like, go. <laughs> since he left Minnesota, the teams he's been on go to the playoffs. So like when when we I believe we signed him, I no, we no, we traded for him. When we traded for him, I wasn't sure how I felt about it. And I was like, well, I wonder if they're trying to just make a move here to maybe rekindle something with K-Love. Because Kevin Love was just mentally and emotionally checked out all last year. Homie was injured all the time. Could tell that he probably would have been playing, but he just wasn't enjoying it. And Ricky came in, and he was so good so early. And he's been playing so well, and he was by far – our most important player outside of Darius Garland, because he's the only other ball handler we have on the team besides Garland. And then Garland goes into protocols on freaking Tuesday. So Rubio has to play 40 minutes. And in the last two minutes of the game, homie's knee explodes, non-contact injury, torn ACL out for the season. Oh my God. It was like my heart was torn from my chest, but I mourned. I mourned for, was this two days, two, two, two and a half days. And I will continue to mourn. But then I was making dinner about 45 minutes ago and I got a peculiar bleacher report notification sent to my phone saying Cavs are in the final stages of acquiring one Rajan Rondo from LA, which makes me wonder who in God's name are we sending to LA for Rondo? <laughs> it's not anybody important. It's not K love. It's cause th- that, that would have already been, you know, said I'm I'm thinking we we have this really young shooter on the team, Dylan Windler, who, for whatever reason, cannot find his way into our rotation this year. But homie can shoot. Um, And what what do the Lakers need, Chuck? Uh, a lot. But shooting is <laughs> for is, is step number one, because Russ, Russ, ain't, Russ ain't your shooter. Yeah, no, absolutely not. So I don't know. I'm curious to see who we sent over. 
um, for Rondo. Rondo's will probably play 20 minutes a game off the bench. He's an, you know, he's a professional. So like, I'm really not too worried. We should be a playoff team this year, assuming we, um, don't remain as unlucky with injuries as we have been so far, but I don't know. It'll be interesting. Um, How's Laurie Markkinen playing up, working out for you guys? You know what? Surprisingly pretty well. So in the very beginning of the season, we were running Laurie at the three, which was like, what are we doing? Um, but it's been working. So we were running Garland and then Sexton, but then Sexton went down for the season. So we're running Isaac Okura, who was our fifth overall pick from 2020. Yeah. Um, who's been playing pretty well. Um, and then it was Laurie at the three, Mobley at the four, who was just a bona fide stud. I still cannot believe that he fell into our lap. And then Allen at the five. So three seven footers <laughs> in that starting five. Um, but Laurie's a little uh, hit, hit or miss these last couple of weeks. But it's weird. It's weird. I cannot believe these words are coming out of my mouth. But the Cavs like have have a squad. They have talent. And so there's only one basketball, but unfortunately, Homie's only made one out of his last 23 point attempts. And when those three pointers aren't falling for Laurie, man, um, the rest of his game sort of sort of shrinks a bit. But I'm 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 happy with him. Like, I, I don't want to trade him, um, but he's been rumored to be a part of a possible deal with the Pacers for a Karis Levert that I've been seeing. So. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. How would you feel about that? I don't want to lose Karis. I mean, Sabonis reportedly wants out. I don't know if that's true. If he wants out, I mean, we're bl- definitely blowing up the team. Um, but I don't want to lose Karis. But he, I can also see like he is probably our most valuable trade asset. It's either him or Sabonis or Turner. I mean, Turner is going to be good on. A playoff team, like as a rotational defensive guy, yeah, hit it, hit up occasional spot up three, like you know that'd be great. It's I I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I could see him like on a Golden State, but I could also see any player on Golden State and it just like working minus like uh, a, a Dwight Howard or somebody who just absolutely has no three point shot. Um, him on the Lakers wouldn't be bad either. As like you rotate him in with Anthony Davis, like Ugh. is is he an is he an upgrade from AD right now? The way AD's been playing. Listen, let's not get slanderous on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I like Anthony Davis. I like the Pelicans. Anthony Davis. This version of Anthony Davis that I've seen outside of when they won in the bubble, it's not been. It's not been good. I mean, it's been good, but it's not been what it should be. Well, they both have the same problem, which is that they're injured all the time. Anthony Davis and Miles Turner. So, yeah, I I saw this uh, report yesterday. I don't know if you caught this, but, you know, our our boy, I shouldn't say our boy because he and I don't have a whole lot in common, but Kyrie Irving's back. Yes, I and, saw this, and I saw his comments about, like, I just missed the game, man. Yeah. Did you see that Las Vegas already has odds on who he he will be traded to if he is traded? 
Is it the Cavs or is it the Cavs are favorites at two to one odds to land Kyrie Irving, which, oh, my God, I would I would hate it. I would absolutely hate it. I did. I, I I went further down this rabbit hole and there was this website. I don't remember the name of the website, um, nor if, even if I knew it, would I spread the name of this website around because it's ridiculous. Um, they do like all these different stats for like um, basically a whole bunch of what ifs. And there's this idea that LeBron mm-hmm. could be bought out or traded if the Lakers continue to be average, which I don't think he'll ever be traded. Um but basically, the odds were if LeBron were to be traded or bought out, he the most likely team to sign him would be Cleveland. And there was this scenario where, like, Cleveland would obtain LeBron and Kyrie to rejoin Kevin Love. And I'm like, oh, yes, of course, you know, the, the plot to send Kyrie to Boston to ruin Boston and then to make KD all depressed over in Brooklyn to ruin Brooklyn. Of course, how could we have not seen this five years ago when all this was transpiring for the first time? But no, I, I'm going to say it on record as a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, as someone who watches the games as much as I can. I do not want LeBron James back on this team. I love LeBron. He's going to go down as one of my favorite athletes of all time, if not my absolute favorite. The price to pay when LeBron James joins your team is so steep, and we finally have good young talent. We can make the playoffs without him, and I don't want to mortgage our extremely talented young core for, like, one or two titles runs. Cause he's just homie's 37 today. Homie just turned 37. I mean, realistically, how many more seasons does he have left? Two, three. Is he going to play when he's 40? He wants to play with Bronny. So we'll see. Man. Do you pay attention to Bronny at all? Uh, I see the highlight. The highlights are cropping up on my timeline more and more. So I feel like, you know, he's getting closer to draft or to, you know, declaration status. Cause, and he, he he's, uh, a he's a sophomore, right? Yeah. Oh, he's he a is? sophomore. Last I checked, he's at only averaging like seven points a game. Uh, does he play with Dwayne Wade's son? Dwayne Wade's son's in the G league. Zaire. Oh God. Zaire. Yeah, okay. G league for the uh, jazz, which is kind of interesting. Cause Dwayne Wade is a minority owner of the Utah jazz. So a little bit of uh a little bit of tampering, maybe. I don't think it's tampering when you sign, because once you go to the G League, isn't it like anybody can sign you? If you don't get draft, unless that team owns your draft rights, right? Isn't that how it works in the NBA? Right, but no. Remember, they said like instead of going to college, you can go to the G League. Right, but I'm saying if you're drafted by an NBA team, like, like let's say somebody's late first round pick from this previous draft is playing on their G league team. I think that team still holds draft rights over them. And like, it's like not just any team can sign them. Um, right. There are players on your G league team that can be signed. Yes. By other teams that are not necessarily under contract with you. Right. But is Dwayne Wade's son a rook? Like, did he He, come out? He's a free agent just on the G league team. He's right, not but, 
Right, but did he play a year of college? That's what I'm saying. Did he enter the G League foregoing college? Yeah, he, he yeah, he So when he did that, isn't it like he can sign with any G League team? Cuz it's not uh, a draft yeah. at that point. Yeah, and he would be in the draft this coming year. Technically, right. cuz isn't that what Jalen Green did? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so he's doing the, he's going the Jalen Green route. By the way, you you were a little like mocking the Houston Rockets for drafting him, but he's balling out right now. No, 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 no. Okay, so, okay, listen, listen. Go back. I said Jalen Green, Jalen Green, Jalen Green is going to be a fine player. I don't doubt that. I just don't understand Houston's mentality when you already have John Wall and Kevin Porter Jr., who, make no mistake, is a certified baller. Yeah. And you don't go for the likes of like a Mobley because that's to me, that seems like what they would need right now. And then I also mocked them, which they deserve to be mocked for saying no to Jared Allen and the James Harden trade that continues that's to fair. be unbelievably dumb. But um, no, I like Jalen Green. I he reminds me a lot of Anthony Edwards, just like like freak athlete. Like I, he's going to be in the dunk contest this year, I'm assuming. Right. I mean, I don't know. I, I would assume. By the way, you know where the All-Star game is this year? Is it in Cleveland? It's in Cleveland. I'm big excited. I got to try and secure tickets. As long as, you know, homie Omicron isn't going to just ruin everything, which sort of ruining my, my last couple of weeks here. We have we have COVID in the house, unfortunately. But you were not joking when you said Omicron be running through people. Mm-hmm. That was playing in my head all week. <laughs> yeah, the vid, the vid is tearing it up right now. Oh my good god. Um <laughs> anywho, cuz I could be talking about I could go on NBA talk for the <laughs> next next 2 hours. Um you got around to watching a movie this week. Would you care to share? I did a movie and a television show. Oh, oh. what show did you watch? The oh. one we're going to review. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I took that as like, oh, uh, you watch like an entire season of something like really quickly here. So I was like, what could you possibly have watched? Well, actually, speaking of that, I did see a meme that was like, do you want to watch Netflix? Do you want to watch a 10 hour movie? No, that sounds horrible. OK, what if we split into one hour episodes and you just watch it all in one sitting? Yeah. Son of a bitch. I'm in. Yeah, no, that's 100 100 percent, 100 percent correct. Um, All right, but yes, the movie I got around to watching, which you would already watched, was Matrix Resurrections. Yes. And we're also going to talk, obviously, Book of Boba Fett later in the episode. I'm assuming Book of Boba Fett's going to be the title of this episode, so when people are listening, they're going to have understood what's going Uh, on. Depending on how long this Matrix talk goes for, because I feel some type of way about the movie, I'm sure you do too, but we're not going to do a movie breakdown like we've done for like... Spider-Man, a tick, tick, boom, and all the other movies that, you know, make the title of our shows. So, um, just yay or nay on Matrix Resurrections for you. I want to get a broad understanding of what, how you enjoyed this movie. If you did. This movie is the only Matrix movie of all four of them that kind of bored me. Okay. It wasn't to me that interesting. And at times it kind of felt like a little condescending a little bit at times. Like when they're like 
all the thing, all the montage where Jefferson Airplane, White Rabbit's playing, and they're like talking about how can we reinvent the Matrix. I'm just like, all right, we get it. Yeah, we get it. Now, where does the original trilogy rank on like your like, did you enjoy the original trilogy or would you consider yourself like a fan of the Matrix going into this fourth movie? I wasn't especially like I think the first Matrix is really good. Those second two Matrix movies are going for something which are interesting, the execution of which is to me lacking. Yeah. So this one coming into it, I was kind of like coming into it like I have no idea what to expect, so let's see what happens. And I felt like the movie was kind of like thought people would be like, oh, you're expecting this, aren't you? Well, let me just boom, blow your mind, but not doing that. And I'm like, well, I actually wasn't expecting anything. So <laughs> feels like you just threw confetti in the air for nothing. Yeah, the um, now I'll preface this by saying. The original Matrix is my favorite movie of all time. It's number one. It's I can watch it every single day. Well, I would never watch it every single day, but it's one of those movies that I know if it's on TV, I'm always going to watch. I can put it on and be engaged and have a good time. Um, for a movie that we absolutely 100% did not need, nobody asked for this movie. I enjoyed it. Yeah, um, at I, I would say, I would say so, the same thing, by the way, that yeah, just okay. like it's not like I watched this. Like I saw people who are like saying this is horrible and laughably bad. And I'm like, um, <laughs> I feel like you need to watch more bad movies. This this yeah. ain't that this ain't that bad. Um, It seems to be one of the more um, I don't know what the term I'm looking for here is, but like it's either, it's either you. I, I before I watched it, before I watched it, I was seeing on Twitter that it's either you love this movie or you hated this movie. And to much surprise, I found myself um, not loving this movie, but also not hating the movie. It relies a lot on nostalgia. There is a certain scene in the movie, and I guess like light spoilers here, but also not really, where Neo is talking to, um, um, air quotes, a M- Morpheus. A version, and there's a, of, Morpheus, a version yeah. of Morpheus. And there is a B-roll clip of Neo talking to Morpheus from the first movie playing in the background. And it's like, okay, so this movie is going to rely on, on a lot of the nostalgia. It's sort of nostalgia baity. It also is very self-aware. Like, it makes fun of itself almost to a fault at times. Like, the whole idea of basically... Neo being back is um, uh, Thomas Anderson working at a video game company. He's created the first three movies and they become the first, the most popular games in the world. And then somebody from Warner Brothers steps in and says, we are making a fourth game with or without you. Like it was just it, that felt too real. Like so Lano, um, is it Wachowski or Wachowski? Wachowski, I believe, is Wachowski. the Okay. So she directed the first three movies. I very much got the impression that she did not want to do this movie. 
And it was like Warner Brothers was like, hey, we're doing this movie with or without you. So what's up here? It's weird because so first off, it's Lana and Lily Mm -hmm. who were who are transgender. Yes. Um, So they were brothers when they did the first three movies. They're now sisters. Lily did not come back for this movie. Lana did. And it's weird because so what happened was they were going with this. They had a script from Zach Penn. I'm going to pull up his credits really quick because I want to make sure I have this right. You you'll know some of his some of his movies. But um, and then at some point while all this was going on. um, Lana basically came in with her pitch. And uh, Warner Brothers went with her pitch instead. So they originally had somebody else set to direct this movie and then Lana came in at the last second just to write it. He was just writing a script, basically. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So, um, Zach Penn, some of his movies include, uh, that you would know, um, well, not all these are great, but he'll know these. And I'm not going to do, like, uncredited or story by or whatever, but some things. Um, Ants, Inspector Gadget. The Nutty Professor 2. <laughs> Owen Wilson behind enemy lines. Okay, okay. Um Electra. Oh man. X-Men Last Stand. Um The Incredible Hulk. Hmm. Granted, with that one has major rewrites from Edward Norton, so I don't know. How much of that you can really put on him. Okay, fair. Um, and X-Men Last Stand is also co-written with Simon Kinberg, who was the director of that movie, I believe. Yeah. Um, story, co-story writer Joss Whedon won the Avengers. Ready Player One. Okay. And then co-screenwriter with Matt Lieberman for Free Guy. Okay, wow. Okay, so really strong last three <laughs> movies. So, man, I don't know if that's enough to weigh out the first six that you read off. But, okay, so this this Zach Penn had a script, and then Lana came in and was like, wait a second, this is what I'm thinking. And then Warner Brothers went with hers. Okay, well, you know, for what it was, I appreciated how they teed up the movie in the first 30 minutes. I thought it was creative with with him working for this video game company cuz like I was I didn't know how the hell this movie was going to play into or basically like attach itself after um Matrix Revolutions. It just I couldn't see how they were going to make that work. And I thought they did an okay job at it, but the th- first 30 minutes of the movie are basically the same exact thing. It's the first 30 minutes of the fir- the original Matrix basically. So, yeah, just like, you know, yeah, I, I was saying it was just like the first one, only uh, brighter, <laughs> not yeah. as like the, the overbearing green filter on the original Matrix, you know, yeah. it's kind oh, of yeah. in, while they're in the Matrix, whereas in this one, it's the opposite. The Matrix is like bright and sunny and much, you know what I mean, compared to yeah. the quote unquote real world. 
I like the the color is it color grading or color scaling on this movie a little bit more. Um, so, I, you know, I, I I don't know. Like I said, for what it was, it was cool. I liked the new characters they introduced. Like, um, is it, her name's Bugs, right? I I love that character. Yes, Plymouth Wick. Yes. Um, and. I saw some rumblings on just on in, in like the film Twitterverse where Warner Brothers is interested in creating more of like a Matrix universe and maybe playing on some stories that don't revolve around Neo or Trinity. And I think Bugs would be a great place to start because every time she was on screen, I was like, I like this. This she's good. She killed that movie. She was she was so so good. So if if this movie turns in. Or is a vessel for other stories, you know, to be told from that Matrix universe, then okay. Um, But for what it was, I had a good time with it. Like I said, didn't need the movie. Nobody asked for this. But okay, at least it didn't, you know, at least it didn't take away from the first three movies. Yeah, didn't. Well, you know, no movie, quote unquote, ruins anything. You just don't have to watch the movie. So Uh, I I guess. Um. But, you know, it, um, what was I going to say? It was, it was perfectly fine. We'll see how it does. Uh, obviously it made, it's making some money at the bottom. I saw a thing, a report that was like, it, it had less streams than Godzilla versus Kong, but the that. box office is also available for this one as compared to Godzilla versus Kong. Sing two had a bigger opening weekend at the box office than the matrix. Sing two. Not good. No. Um, although 97% audience score fronts for Sing 2 on, on Rotten Tomatoes. Not surprising, though, because that feels like the type of movie that's like it's designed to just make people happy, you know? Yeah. Again, almost to a fault. But um, speaking of crappy opening weekends, I want to get your opinion on recent um i don't want to call it a controversy because it's not but recent conversation about how i don't remember who it was i it, it might might have been scorsese might have not been scorsese but somebody came out and said it might have been denis villeneuve actually came out and said that if you are not making a spider-man movie you will not be making money at the box office and obviously Spider-Man basically just means superhero. Because the last, what, 10, 12 years or so now, superhero movies have dominated the box office. I mean, if you look, if you go and look at the top five grossing movies of all time, at least three of them are superhero movies. And give Spider-Man some time, that's going to sneak up there. Star Wars. Star Wars, yeah. I I don't I don't subscribe to the idea that superhero movies are bad for the movie industry. So let me postulate something. Do you go to the movies only to see superhero movies or franchise movies? Me personally? Yes. No. So you would go to the movies to see, like, a Martin Scorsese movie? Yeah, 100%. How about, like, a movie of someone you've never heard of before? 
Well, so for me, when when I decide if I want to see a movie or not, it's strictly based on like the cast and the trailer. So like I'm trying to think of movies. Obviously, I haven't gone to see a whole lot of movies over these last, um, you know, I guess almost two years now. But I went and saw Tenet, you know, an early pandemic movie. I saw Tenet in theaters. Um, I'm trying to think of, gosh, what I saw pre-pandemic. I went and saw 1917 in the theater. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't only go for, you know, the big franchises or just Marvel films. But what do you think about the general population? It's I think for the general population, it is easy to. To only pay attention to the Marvel movies or the DC movies, uh, because it's what dominates social media for the most part. And everybody's on social media like. I can only really think of a couple movies over the last couple years that have broken through like, you know, quote unquote, like a movie Twitter or film Twitter Um, and like Dune comes to mind. But again, it's going to be a franchise. So like there were a lot of good movies that we watched this year that I didn't really see ever talked about on Twitter, like Nomadland or um, tick tick boom. I don't know if you got around to watching the French Dispatch. Didn't see a lick of that on Twitter. So like, I also think the pandemic has a lot to do with it. I think people are mistaking what COVID has done to movie theaters and saying that like Marvel is responsible or superhero movies are responsible, and it's when it's mainly COVID. Yeah. You can make that argument. Um, I just think, you know, people, how do I say, how do I say this for a filmmaker? It's going to be really hard unless you just, you know, fortune falls your way. It's really hard to like make a name for yourself as an independent filmmaker right now, you know, hundred percent. Yeah. You know, so You know, I think that's why people want to give and people want to give like because it used to be you think about like the Godfather. Is something we consider a prestige film, like, you know what I mean? An Oscar film. Those used to be the movies that dominated the box office. Now, those don't really do that anymore. I'm thinking about some of my favorite movies to come out over the last like five or so years and one that comes to mind um that i really really enjoyed and it happens to be by the director that i believe was the one that brought up this topic arrival i i'm curious i'm gonna look this up i wonder what arrival did at the box office because that movie i you've seen arrival right no i haven't that was one of those oh, movies remember when we did right. yeah Okay, Arrival made two hundred and three million at the box office. Right, that's a lot of money, and that that's twenty sixteen. Like, I'm sorry, I'm just not subscribing to this idea that superhero movies are ruining it for everybody else. But also remember that Arrival came out after Denis Villeneuve had already had a hit with Prisoners. Okay. And with um, Sicario. So 
Okay, so you're focusing more on what it's like for maybe somebody, independent filmmakers or, or no-name people. I'm more so I, – I, I, I could be I could be reading into the argument um, the wrong way. I was taking this as like doesn't matter who you are. Scorsese, uh, Villeneuve, um, Anderson, if you are making a movie and it doesn't have the Marvel logo attached to it or the DC logo attached to it, it's not making money, which I don't believe. I, I agree with what you're saying. It is harder than ever before right now for no name um, – and I should say no name, but up and coming filmmakers to gain traction and to gain popularity without joining one of those or doing one of those. Right. A hundred percent. I agree with that, but I, I just don't subscribe to this notion that Marvel is ruining cinema. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree with you. I would, I do agree with you, but I do think there's an argument to like, Try and get people to, you know, shift and try and make a concerted effort to get people to go out and see smaller films is what I'm saying. Um, At the theater, at least, because, you know, on streaming, that's kind of where they're finding their home. Yeah. But in theaters, they're not doing as well. But I don't know. When you go to the theater, it's naturally a collective experience. So obviously something with broad appeal is going to do better at the box office. I don't know what to tell you. Well, so this might be like a really shitty comparison, but you know what this feels a lot like to me is uh, movie theaters today, um, or I should say over these last couple of years, feel a lot like how the NBA was in like the early like 2010s where it was like super teams. You had yeah. the Heat, you had the Celtics, you had the Spurs. And if you weren't a part of that super team, you you didn't have a chance. Um, I mean, you still don't have – it's still the same way now. It's just that team has gone – that number has gone from like five teams to like eight. Well, There's like well, nine teams right now that you're like, yeah, they got a shot. I mean, well, you know, they, but really, still, there's you're more still, parody. There's more parody now, and like things. Yeah, tend, the, the the Pistons have five wins. The okay. Pistons have five oh, wins. You, you, okay, you're talking about the worst team in the league. I th- there are there are twelve teams right now that I think have a shot at making it to the finals. I think there's like three. Really. Yeah, Suns, I think Warriors and Nets. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, four, four, because the the Bucks, Bucks definitely got a shot. You don't think the Bulls do? You don't think the Sixers do? The Bulls haven't been through the playoffs yet, and going through the playoffs in the NBA, you got to go through the playoffs. They're gonna they're gonna face the Nets or the Bucks who've been there, who've seen the intensity. And can put a team away. Like the Bulls are going to play well. We're going to be like they're a great team. And next year for sure. Just like the Suns were a couple. Like when they in the bubble. That was like their mini playoff run. They got bounced. And then they did what they did last year. The Bulls are going to have that moment this year. Where they come in as like the four seed. And they're like we're ready. We're here. And then they get bounced by a team with experience. It's like no the playoffs are a different level. You haven't experienced it yet. And then. Yeah. So I, I think the Bulls could, depending on the, their path, like if the Nets and Bucks end up playing in the semis, they could reach the Eastern Conference Finals. But no, they got they're not making the finals. The, the so, finals are Suns, Warriors, Bucks, Nets. 
I'll give the Sixers an outside shot, but the Ben Simmons thing has to be resolved before I give them a a real shot at that. So what you're saying is, is the Bulls are kind of a lot like Dune and the Warriors is like no way home. That's what I'm getting at here. (laughs) (laughs) The, The Bulls, yes, the Bulls are like Dune in that way. They are like, you know, you're you're almost there. But you got to really bring it home with the second one before you can call yourself a friend. You know what I mean? Okay, so would you at least agree with the fact that there's more parity in the NBA right now than there was in 2013? Yes. Oh, I I, I agree there's more parity. And it seems to be trending in the direction where at least every year or every other year, there's like one more team that you're like, okay, wait a second. Like they added this piece. and. Maybe they could compete for the final. So that's the point that I'm getting at. It's, it's it's a lot more open this year. And I think that's going to happen. Again, this might be the shittiest comparison of all time. I think that is going to eventually happen to movies. I, I do think people are going to get tired of movies with, you know, uh, with like a Marvel attached to it or these absolutely stacked casts. Like there's going to eventually be a desire for you know, lower budget, independent films. I mean, I, no one, it, it's it's not happening right now, but like, and I, I get that award season really isn't the best gauge for like what like a uh, majority of like um, of people, of moviegoers enjoy, but I do think it's going to correct itself. Well, I'm glad you have faith, Ricky. <laughs> I think I think we're enjoying our time now and then eventually we'll be, we'll get back to the old days. It's not it's never it's never quite going to be the NFL. The NFL parody exists and like there that's that's a league with real parody. I think the NBA has more parody right now than the NFL. Oh bull bull get the f out of here. Are you I think me? I think it does. Are yeah. you kidding me? Bro, there is like two teams right now, three teams that I am I have any sort of confidence to reach the Super Bowl. Three. Who are they? The Chiefs, the Packers, and the Bucks. Okay. But how many different teams do you think could upset one of those teams? Not many. So you're you're gonna go ahead and write off first off my Colts, yeah. Who you're just you're just writing them off completely. Carson Wentz is your quarterback, yes. Okay, Baker. Um, no, I, I, I'm not saying the Browns are beating anybody, dude. I'm not saying that. How about you're gonna write off? Okay, but okay, you're saying that right now as of this year, but we're in basically near the playoffs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many teams have you written off in the NBA? I got to look at the standings. There's 30 teams in the NBA. Give yourself a guess at how many have a chance to make. Give your, I'll say this. How many teams do you have? A, are you giving a chance to make the finals? All right. Are you ready? I'm going to go conference by conference as to who I think has a legitimate shot in making the finals. You ready for this? Yes. Eastern conference. Nets. Bulls. Bucks. Heat if they're healthy. 76ers, and if I have to add an extra team, it's going to be my Cavs, but I'm going to not, just to not sound like a like biased. 
in the West. Warriors, Suns, Jazz, uh, Nuggets if they're healthy, Lakers if LeBron can do it. And I'm throwing a lot of ifs there, so I'm going to remove the ifs. Lakers, uh, Grizzlies. So you're saying, 11, so you're saying 11 teams. I'm not saying that I believe in each one of those teams equally. I am saying that if you were to, if I could peek into the future right now and any of those 11 teams made it to the finals, I'd be like, yeah, okay, that makes sense to me. So as, as of right now, if the playoff picture were to start today in the NFL, you just couldn't believe the Colts winning a Super Bowl. You couldn't believe the Bengals winning a Super Bowl. You couldn't believe uh, no. the Rams winning a Super Bowl. No, okay, I could believe the Rams. Or the I'll Cowboys. I could believe the Cowboys. Or uh who's another wild card? Or the Cardinals. I Cardinals I'd be I'd be pretty shocked. Or the 49ers. I would be stunned. Or the Titans. Stunned. Remember Derrick Henry's coming back by the way. Stunned. <laughs> Still stunned. Uh Patriots. Stunned. But don't you okay, but let me And I'm for, trying to be honest here. I'm not trying to just but, write okay. off for the sake of my own argument. Let me let me phrase this another way. How many different teams in the NBA have made the finals over the past ten years? Okay. Okay, hold on. This is a good point. So let's think about this. Um so since twenty eleven or Heat, Warriors, Cavs, Spurs. Mavericks, um, Suns, Bucks, Celtics, Lakers. Celtics haven't made the finals in the past ten years. Oh, it was oh nine, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, they they made it in oh nine and lost the Lakers. Yeah. Thunder. God, you already said that. I did not say Thunder yet. You said okay. Let me just go year by year. This this will be easier. We've got. (laughs) I'm going to go NBA. I'm going to pull up the NBA finals. And I'm going to get the NFL. So I'm going to get the Super Bowl ready. Go ahead. We veered so far off topic. This is crazy. No, I, I like this. I, I'm I'm invested in this conversation. All right. Uh, let me see if I can pull up. Okay, there's list of NBA champions. Here we go. Uh, okay. So since we're going since past 10 years, so last, so since I'm going since 2011, um, LeBron's first year with the Heat. Yeah. We've got Mavericks and Heat. Okay. Oklahoma City. Heat. Yeah. Spurs, Heat, Spurs, Heat. Golden State, Cleveland. Yeah. Golden State, Cleveland. Golden State, Cleveland. Golden State, Toronto. <laughs> no, you missed the Golden State, Cleveland. It was four years in a row. Yes. Well, either way, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't change the amount of teams that we have. I'm just trying to give the Cavs their, their, you know, their due. Lakers, Heat, Suns, Bucks. So we've got 10 different teams in the finals over the past 10 years, with okay. four of them being repeats. Four in years in a row, the same okay. matchup. Two years in a row, the same matchup, oh, two different teams. And so, the Golden State Warriors on a five-year run. You, yes, got the, you got the list of Super Bowls pulled up? I do. So since 20 – and we'll do 
it should be the 20 10, to do the same number of seasons. It should be the 2010 11 like playoffs. So what the Super Bowl that was played in 2011 okay. would be the same one because Are you ready? Yeah. Green Bay Pittsburgh. Mhm. Giants Patriots. Baltimore Niners. Seattle Broncos. Then Seattle New England, so you can't count that. Denver and Carolina, so one new team. New England Atlanta, so one new team. That's 10 new teams. Philly, New England, 11. New England and L.A., 12. Kansas City, San Fran, 13. So 14 teams, different teams. Versus 10. And no repeat matchups. Zero repeat matchups. Same team made it twice, but no repeat matchups. But my argument is not that the NBA has had more parity over the last 10 years. It's that right now, I think the NBA is more wide open than the NFL is. But we're only 30% of the way through the season as compared to week 17 in the NFL. But I am looking at the standings right now as to who would be making the playoffs right now. It's still the same amount of teams that it would be at the end of the season. I didn't take into consideration any of the teams outside of the top six. And those teams are going to be in the playoffs. I'm just saying when we get to the playoffs, I have a bigger belief in a wildcard team in the NFL than any five through eight seed in the NBA. And history backs that up. But like, I don't know. I don't even remember how, how we got on this topic of conversation. You were comparing the NBA to the, to movies. Right. Okay. I don't know, dude. Like, I'm dominating, and you're saying eventually it'll get to the point now where there's more parity, saying that never reached the parity of the NFL. And in two years, it's almost baseball level parity, where it's like, and eh, we're just gonna buy a bunch of, we're gonna all, only the best teams are gonna buy all the players, and everyone else, you got to get lucky. Or bang on trash cans to have a chance. Yeah, unless you're the Yankees, you can then you can buy all the players you want and still not sniff the World Series. Don't talk to me about it. I know. <laughs> I mean, how hard is it to pay a pitcher? You would think starting pitching is the key of every World Series team. Both out and get a pitcher. And instead, oh my God. It's true. He's right. Yeah, maybe... Yeah. Maybe you should call up your friends over there. I I might. Oh, okay. You well, can clip that out. Clip that. See if we can get that to go viral. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Just we're just TikTok beating at this point. But all right, enough. I the, the conversation about what the movie theater industry is going to look like, or the movie industry is going to look like in 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 ten years, is pointless because we don't know, and there's no way to tell. Um, but I think it'll be just fine. But um, that's only if COVID doesn't kill us all. So to be continued on that front. Okay. Getting back on track here. Book of Boba Fett dropped. First episode dropped um, Wednesday. So two days ago, if you're listening to this on Friday. Um, I don't know what your expect. What were your expectations for this show going into it? Because we virtually knew nothing about what this was going to be about. Yeah, other than obviously about Boba and Fennec Shan. But 
Um, my when I watched the first episode, my first immediate takeaway once the episode was over, I was like, that was a lot more flashbacks than I was expecting, though. I thought there was going to be a lot more present story going on. Yeah, you, so I thought that the flashbacks, I figured we were going to get the flashback of him, um, you know, crawling his way out of the, go ahead. There is a 100% fantastic clip retweeted by the man himself, Pat Oswald, Yep. from Parks and Rec, calling the shot, shot for shot. And it is amazing. It yeah. is hilarious. It's incredible. You said that's from Parks and Rec? Yeah. I thought that that I didn't know that was from Parks and Rec. It's from like the not the final season, but season six, I believe. So it came out 2012 or something. He called this. What's the context of that? Like he thought they were going to make a movie. No. So his character in the show doesn't want anything to change and they're going to get rid of all these old town laws. And he starts a filibuster in which he describes like. It's he starts off with this quote with that thing, and then it, and he ends at at some point he's like we're gonna combine all the Disney owned properties into one universe basically, <laughs> <laughs> and he like but when everybody's leaving the meeting because he's finally filibustered them into submission basically, he's like and then robot. Darth Chewbacca is going to fight Thor. <laughs> and isn't that going to be a crazy battle? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that is going to be, <laughs> it's pretty funny. I, I saw the clip, but I couldn't tell what it was from. Um, but I saw that he basically like called that shot. Oh, basically like shot for shot. But yeah, the, the flashbacks in this, in episode one, I figured we were going to get because it was like, all right, how did he escape the pit? You know what? Like, we needed some sort of explanation, but I did not expect half of the episode to be a flashback. So sort of on board with you there. Um, and I guess spoilers ahead. I don't know if you if you want to do a spoiler alert. Yeah, we can go ahead and give the uh, spoiler alert. Um, I think. That's actually pretty impressive for putting you on the spot and you, you coming up with that. So, um, so this episode, you're bouncing back between two points in time. You bounce back between virtually where we left off Boba Fett in episode six six um and where we left off boba fett at the end of mando season two which was at jabba's palace if you've seen the post credit scene of the, the finale of um mando season two so we get the explanation as to what happened we see him in the stomach of that of that monster um and in the pit and he's sort of like I guess burns his way out. He gets like his little flamethrower on his wrist and like burns the inside of this monster. And then you get that really cool shot of his hand breaking out of the sand and him basically pulling himself out um, only to be sort of left for dead and robbed while he's laying there like half alive. Then he gets taken in by, I forget what they're called. Tuscan Raiders, AKA Tuscan the Raiders. sand people. Yep. Um, referred to the sand people for anybody who, watched the prequels but known as tuscan raiders um that's actually what they're they're actually referred to 
are the actual, their actual names. Um, and so he's basically taken prisoner by these Tuscan Raiders. They like beat him. Uh, the, the little kids come out with sticks, little Tuscan Raider kids and like beat him. Um, not that hard. I mean, he's, he's tied up. I mean, he's in pain, but like, they're not full on, like, you know, they're not, he's not, they're not going Creed on him. You know, they're not going Drago. It's, it's, it's a game to them, but, um, and, and then we bounce back a couple times and then we kind of come back to present day where him and Fennec, um, are at Jabba's palace and they're listening to, who I can only believe are like, um, I don't know if they use the term lords in Star Wars, but some of the higher ups that Jabba ruled over, they sort of come by and like offer gifts and whatnot because he's now taking over Rain now that Jabba's gone. And they sort of they, they go into the city. So they go into the city. They see what it's all about. Um, they have one interaction with one woman at that bar. Um, which is kind of cool because it's uh, we get a shot of the band again, which uh, the same band from I believe it was episode six. Um, a lot of those same characters came back, but they have this conversation. Episode five, four, four, the cantina. I couldn't remember if they were only in episode four, if they if we saw them again in five or six. They they're in four in most Eisley. And they're okay. in Mos Espa, which is like a different city, I guess, okay. on Tatooine. But, um, yeah, you get, like, the Star Wars. I think they're also in um, – they're, they're, they're not in there, but there is a band in Jabba's palace at 6. Okay. So and it then, might not be them exactly. And George Lucas added that CGI dancing alien sequence. <laughs> it's just bizarre. Just it's bizarre. Really it's one of the most bizarre things you'll ever watch. Some of the the CGI ads that they decided to do were a little weird, but that's pointless. That's a, that, yeah, that's a topic for a different episode. Um, but while they're in town, they have this conversation with this woman um, at this bar who I guess were maybe made. Uh, I, I sort of assume that maybe we would see her again. Um they also, we should mention, have a conversation with one of the people back at Jabba's palace, who it's the last person they talk to, who it, it works for the mayor and decides to not bring them a gift. Um, and it's, it's sort of like passive aggressive and threatening towards them. So interesting to see what's going to happen there. Um, but as they're leaving this bar, they actually get... Um, they get attacked by a group of people, like five or six people. And so Fennec and Boba are sort of forced to fight their way out of it. They do. Fennec ends up hunting one of the people down and captures them. Um, and then Boba's actually saved by, uh, I don't remember their names, but the, 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 the two bodyguards back from Jabba's palace who decided to remain loyal to Boba. Um, he sort of has to get dragged out of there and he has to go back to his, like recovery pod where we immediately go back into a flashback sequence and continue the story of what happened to him after episode six, which we basically come to find out that he's still being cap held captive by the, um, Tuscan Raiders, Tuscan Raiders. And then one of the little Tuscan Raiders decides to take him out on a little excursion 
to find some water pods buried in the sand. While they're uh, digging for water pods, he unearths this monster with uh, forearms. And basically what ends up happening is Boba ends up taking out this monster, saves a little Tusken Raider. The Tusken Raider brings him back to the village as a hero instead of a prisoner. And then that's sort of where we leave off episode one. So uh, not a whole lot has happened. It's basically a stage setter for what I'm assuming these next six episodes are going to be, because I believe there are seven episodes. I could be wrong. Um, I didn't, I didn't love the first episode. Like the first episode didn't do anything to make me more excited than I already was, but it also didn't make me less excited. So if it's just a stage setter, I was, I was, I'm, I'm pretty cool with it. Same. Um, yeah, I was a little kind of like, okay, I guess that's all we're getting. It fe- I saw, I just saw a headline that was like, Book of Boba Fett episode one jumps into like a warm bath of nostalgia for yeah. Star Wars. There's definitely, when I was watching it, I kind of like, there's a, there's kind of like this generational thing where people who watch the original Star Wars movies who were kids then, like, are obsessed with Boba Fett. Yeah. And I feel like for us, because we watched him when we did, we're kind of like, I don't know. He's only in the movie for 10 minutes. Why is what's up? What's up with the obsession? (laughs) So like, I don't think he's dumb or anything, but like, I never was like super hyped about him. I just knew the lore surrounding him. So I kind of watched him was like, well, I bet those people are really happy watching this show. (laughs) I'll, uh, I'll wait to make my judgment. (laughs) Well, it's really weird because obviously we grew up with the prequels and say which one about the prequels. Um, I felt that same way about Django Fett and we got more of Django Fett in episode two than we ever got a Boba Fett throughout the course of the original trilogy. Um, so I sort of, I, I get that and I didn't learn to really appreciate Boba Fett until Mandalorian season two, like yeah. that really, I was like, okay, I like what they've done with this character. I, I enjoyed them bringing him back. Um, I didn't really see any like negative. I well, for one, I haven't seen much reviews on this series, and I want to bring that up here in just a second. But like, I'm very hesitant to to read any hate about a Star Wars project because there is no fan base in the world that loves to hate on itself more than Star Wars fans. Star Wars fans love to hate Star Wars, and it makes no sense to me. Maybe Jaguars fans, but that's a different <laughs> Jaguars fans. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe or just if there's any like individual Urban Meyer fans out there, maybe. Um, uh, but, no. Um, yeah, yeah. Star Wars fandom is a is a whole ecosystem. It really is. And that being said, I I didn't see any early reviews on this show. Typically before a Disney plus show airs, you will start to see reviews for it. Like a few days in advance on like the rotten tomatoes and the IMDBs. Chuck, there was nothing for this show leading up to the release day, which makes me wonder what are they hiding? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I was a little bit surprised too because I it felt like it didn't like this this show kind of snuck up on me like I didn't realize it was 
happening this soon, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Um, it's gotten 84% from critics on Rotten Tomatoes right now, so we'll see. That's about right. 74% audience score. I mean, have you formulated any sort of theories as to what this show could be? Because I have a few. Of course I have a few. But, like, I've been seeing rumblings of people maybe theorizing that we might be getting um, the return of Mace Windu in this series. An old Mace Windu. And it's Boba, you know, maybe seeking out revenge. Because, you know, Mace Windu killed Jango, his father. Um I've been seeing rumblings of one uh, Amelia Clark returning to reprise her role from Solo. Uh, don't know how that would work because she would be much, much older. But I guess so would Mace Windu. But Samuel Jackson's already old. Amelia Clark is not. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know any more about this show right now than I did before I watched it. And that's yeah. very weird. Yeah, I don't know. That's uh, kind of where I'm at. And I'm in the same boat where it's just kind of like, yeah, we are where we are. Where are we, we are where we are. Eh. And I don't know what that is. Um, and uh, I don't know if Amelia Clark's going to show up. She's got to be. She's in uh, Secret War. She's already in a Disney Plus show, right? Well, Secret Invasion, but they haven't even started filming that yet. So it would have lined it's, up. It's filming right now. Well, I, then I'm assuming this show filmed during, like, early 2021. Oh, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so you mean I, Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. cause that's what... Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I don't know. I I'm I have to imagine that they're they're holding back something because it's a little fishy that this wasn't screened or this people weren't given early access to, to review this series in its entirety ahead of time. Cause that's what Disney has done with all of their Disney plus shows. And if you think about what we got in, um, at the end of Mando, if you think about Mandalorian season one, episode one is when we got the baby Yoda reveal now known as Grogu. So it's like, I was, I'm not saying I was anticipating something along that level, but like, Man, that teaser trailer didn't give us a whole lot, and episode one didn't give us a whole lot. So what's going to happen here? Because something's going to be revealed. It's just what is it? Yeah, I, I I'll just wait and see on this. We'll call yeah. it a wait and see. Mm. You know, I'm not in full hype mode yet. It's kind of refreshing. I'm not going to lie. Like, kind of not knowing a whole lot about a show going into it. Also, like, let's face it, tomorrow night. I'm not going to remember any of this anyway, so New Year's Eve will be getting litty. Apparently, Omicron isn't running through Baltimore like it is Cleveland right now because there is nothing happening over here tomorrow. Well, we, my crew is renting out a house to stay in. Just good gosh. We are all tested. We're all good. All vaxxed. That should be fun, though. Yeah. Couple people already had the vid, but they tested out ten day quarantine. We're good. I think. I mean, that's the way to do it. Obviously, um, I, unfortunately for for my roommate here, tomorrow is only going to be day four removed from his positive test. 
I've managed to stay away from him and I've been feeling good. So I'm hopeful to hopefully see my family for the first time in like a month tomorrow <laughs> because my dad got it. Um, and then like, then my roommate got it. So like, I mean, he tested positive literally on the day that I was set to go see my parents for the first time in like two and a half weeks. And then I had to re quarantine to make sure I didn't have it. And so far so good. But, um, yeah, if if you're out there celebrating celebrating New Year's, kudos, stay safe because this uh this virus does not discriminate. No, it does not. Um Yeah, but I'm looking forward to next week's episode. Yeah. We're gonna be in the little bit of the the doldrums of the movie release schedule. Uh, we'll have to find some other movies possibly to watch or maybe some uh, we'll get some rankings in for the next month or so. We have a lot of options here. Um, I know there's a movie that I would enjoy talking about on the same level that we just did The Matrix um, that I've already seen. I don't know if if you're willing to watch it, but it's Don't Look Up. Yeah, I should watch it. I have people my my coworkers just told me to watch it. I'm just like, like it's it's. I think you would find it entertaining. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I mean, I got I guess at this point I got to watch it for the culture, right? You got to watch it. The culture I can't be so far. I like to be just far enough from the culture where I'm not at, fully a part of it, but just connected enough to where I know what's going on, you know? It it's funny because we got we we were talking earlier in the show about how like Oh, unless if you're not a Marvel movie or superhero movie, no one's talking about your movie. But this movie I seeing talked about all over the place. Like, so um, if you're able to watch it, great. If not, no biggie. Um, but I would be interested in in having a little bit of a discussion about that because it is it is uh, it is quite the flick. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch it, I guess. But. I don't know when. I'll, I'll I'll get to it in January. All right, Netflix, That's just fair. chill, just yeah. chill. <laughs> Not Netflix and chill, just chill, just. I'll get to it. I've it's so a, aggressive. the The algorithm is so aggressive on that homepage. It's just right there in your face every time you open it up. Yeah, it's sometimes a little much. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, anywho, um. We're going to wrap this thing up here right now. So we'll be back next week to talk about episode two of Boba Fett. And like Chuck said, maybe have some rankings, maybe have a movie review. Who knows? All up in the air. Um, everyone have a great new year. Um, if you're going out celebrating, have fun, be safe. Um, if you're listening to us on Apple, please go ahead and give us a review. Um, leave us five stars if you liked it. For those of you listening on Spotify, Spotify recently added reviews. Um, to, for podcasts, so you can actually now go ahead and leave us a one or a five star review or anything in between on Spotify. So if you could do that, that would be awesome. It would mean a lot to us because you need like X amount of reviews for your score to show on your Spotify profile. So it'd be pretty lit if we got to show a five star review. Um, but uh, but yeah, we'll be back next week. So Chuck, anything you want to say before we sign off? Um. Uh, did we say follow us on the socials? We did not. Yes. So go ahead and follow us on the old Mind Popcorn on Twitter. 
Uh, Mind your popcorn on TikTok. I'm told we've got hundreds of views. I can tell you exactly how many views we have right now on TikTok. Give me one second here. Um, Oh, look at that. Another notification. We have racked up. Um, oh, not just views. I can. We have wrapped up a whopping seventy-eight hundred likes on the TikTok page. Um, and if I'm gonna do some quick maths right here, I would have to assume this is north of fifty thousand views. So we're basically TikTok famous. <laughs> um. I'll leave that up to Ricky for the analytics oh, yeah. on that. Um, yeah, but give us a holler. Um, hopefully, Ricky has left time cues in this episode so that you can get through some of the sports random sports yeah. talks. If you're not, if that's not your jam, let us know though. Let you know, comment. Just be like, "Hey yo, STF, STFU." If you, if that's not your thing, <laughs> or hey, we love it. Keep it going. Yeah, cool. If you dislike the sports talk, just give us a big old middle finger in the shit emoji. Just do it. It'll sends a clear message. We'll know exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, other than that, yeah, like I said, stay safe. And uh, just know, listener, if you're listening to this on New Year's Eve, I've got a bottle of Jim Bean Vanilla with my name on it. I can't think of anything better to sign off on. So we will talk to you all next week. <laughs>